Glad you're here again. And uh, if you haven't been here, I got to catch you up. This is the final week of a six-week series. Now, I normally don't teach in six-week series. If you're new to City Hills, don't don't think, oh my gosh, what, what are we going to get into? So it's not normal for us. It's normally three or four weeks long, but uh, this particular series I have felt very strongly for. I hope it's helped you, each message that we've brought to you in this series. It has certainly helped me. Uh, a lot of the times in my preparation to bring a message to you, God's talking to me, and there's a lot in my life that, that I, I grow from that. But let me sort of give you the 30,000-foot view in case you haven't been here. For any of this series, this is only a test. We said that uh, I want to reframe your perspective on problems that come into your life. That everybody has problems in their life. Everybody has has letdowns and problems that come and trials that come and things that come into your marriage and into your relationships and on the job and problems with money and problems with your kids and what are we going to do and how are we going to get through and I want to reframe your perspective so that when these problems come, you don't just see them as an attack from the enemy, sometimes. But most of the time, these are proving, what we call proving grounds. These are tests from God. That God sent you a test, listen, to prove the potential that's inside of you for promotion. Let me say it a better way. That God uses the events of our lives, the tests of our lives, the problems that come into our marriages, our relationships, in our homes, on our jobs, in our interpersonal relationships. God uses those as a proving ground to prove the potential in you to handle more, step into more, open more doors, walk through promotion. Some of you have been praying for things that you can only get by passing a test. That was better than you just amen. Some of us are praying for things that God's never going to give us because we haven't passed the test to be able to prove that I can handle the thing I'm praying for. If I can't handle it on this level, I'm not going to be able to handle it on this level. Well, God knows me better than I know me, so He tests me on this level to prove the potential in me to handle it on this level. Do you understand that? Say amen. We said there are nine spiritual tests that every believer goes through. I think there's probably more, but I've identified nine for you. And it's not tests that you just graduate and go, okay, finally I'm past that one. You know, every grade you go through in school, there's a math test that's the end. They get deeper. They get harder. The, question, the material gets harder. It, the, the, the depth of knowledge is further. But it's still a math test. And some people think, well, I'm going to pass this test and then I've learned my lesson. Anybody ever looked at God and said, God, I've learned it. I'm done. I'm done. Deliver me from this dummy or whoever. You know what I mean? Like, what, the, deliver me from this problem. I've learned it. And there's some tests... You only learned it on this level, and if you want more, God's going to test you on that same material, different depth, different dimension, so that you can learn more. Are you there? Say amen. Nine spiritual tests. If you haven't seen them yet, why don't you write them down very quickly. The first one is the test of small things. The test of small things. If I can't handle this, the small responsibility I've been given the small department I'm the team leader of, the small area in my job that I have responsibility over, the, the, if, if I don't clean my 900 square foot one bedroom apartment, then I can't expect God to answer my prayer for three bedrooms because I won't clean that either. That's good, isn't it? If you don't run that Ford you currently own through the car wash once a week, you will not run that BMW through the car wash that you're believing God for. 
I don't care how much you, 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 know, you, you, you sow into televangelists and get miracle spring water from the, from the Jordan River. You're not going to get a blessing until you prove you can handle the blessing God wants to give you. Say amen to that. That's the test of small things. The test of small things. Y'all going to be wild today, I can tell. Saying amen to me is like sick them to a bulldog. Y'all don't know me. Y'all better calm down. That's the second one is the motivation test. The motivation test it comes into our life to prove that I'm doing the right things for the right reasons. You know you can do the right things the wrong way and still be wrong. My mama always told me, it's not what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. Anybody ever tell your kids that? Now my wife reminds me, it's not what you say, it's how you're saying it. It's the tone that you I got to, my motivation has to be right. You can give to God, do it with the wrong spirit and not be blessed. You can serve in church and do it for the wrong reason and God not honor you. It's a test of motivation. Am I doing it for the right reasons? The third one is the credibility test. Are you who you say you are? The closer people get to your lives, are you really the person that you say that you are? Are you, do, do you get better looking the closer you get? Anybody who's ever dated before, you know that the, the picture they use as their profile picture ain't really them. Come on, somebody. Come on. You're expecting Beyonce and, and, and Attila the Hun shows up. You know what I'm saying? You if filters do a lot, they do a lot, they do a lot. And the first date's not even the right. It takes three or four dates in before you realize they don't, they don't shave all the time. They don't, you know, they, don't, they don't bathe all the time. Come on, somebody. They live with their mama still. I'm helping some of y'all dating. They, it just, because, because we put our best foot forward, but the credibility test says that who I say I am here is who I really am the closer you get to me. It's the credibility test. The wilderness test, i got to hurry. The wilderness test is not a test of survival. The wilderness test says, do I have the potential to change so that I can progress in my life? The children of Israel get inside of the wilderness. God has delivered them from Egypt. They're there three days and they start complaining about what they miss about Egypt. God brings us to the wilderness not to deliver us from Egypt. He brings us to the wilderness to deliver Egypt from us. Some of us are saved, but we're just not delivered. There's a bunch of stuff still going on on the inside of us. It's the wilderness test. And do I have the potential to change my mind and what I do and how I think and traditions and what I'm stuck in so that I can go where God wants me to go. The last one on this screen is the authority test. The authority is a hard one. The authority test says, can I honor and respect and love authority in my life that's wrong, that's failed me, that I know, that I know the dirt about? That I know I could do a better job than them. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I know I could do better than them. And yet I'm submitted to them. You can be submitted and still not honoring. And you don't pass the test. You can be submitted and do the right thing. But you don't honor them. You could be around the water cooler. Talking about how that boss you got is, is worthless. And there's just I could do it so much better. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. But I'm not going to honor him. And you'll keep circling around with no promotion in your life. Because you won't pass the authority test. Because you won't submit with honor and respect to the authority in your life. Say amen if you're still awake. The next one is the warfare test. The warfare test. It proves what we called your adversity quotient. In other words, when you get a little bump in the night, when something happens, when, some, when you got when a little bump in the road, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? How's it going to happen? Do you fall apart 
Or do you have enough adversity quotient in you that you say, I'm going to fight for what it is that I know God's called me to have. I I can fight for our marriage. We're going to fight for our relationships. We're going to fight for sobriety. We're fighting for, I'm fighting for, just because I'm a Christian and in God's will doesn't mean it's not a fight. Doesn't mean there's not a plan. Doesn't mean I still don't have to write it down and have a vision for my life. God just doesn't take the will. I know that sounds good and I love Carrie Underwood. But Jesus does not take your will. you got to drive everywhere you go. Whoo, that's good. The Lordship test. The Lordship test, we said last week, is probably the biggest, and it probably is the one you encounter the most. I think in the life of a believer, there, there may be multiple times a day that you're faced with the, the, the choice. Am I going to do it God's way because it's the right way, or do I lean on my own understanding? Am I going to lean into God's way and how I handle this situation? Or do I just do what comes natural to me? I've got a bad temper. Do I just lean on what my instincts are? Or do I lean into what God's way is? Is He Lord of all of my life or just of this part of my life? It's the Lordship test. Here's the last two I'll give you today. Write these down. The offense test. The offense test and the test of time. The test of time. Our theme verse has been in James, uh, James 1 and it says this. That don't, don't complain. Don't get on Facebook and gripe about. James says, consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, when trials and problems, situations, things, a pressure comes into your life of all kinds. Because I know when I see a problem come in my life, when there's something that happens in my, in my marriage, when something creeps up, there's a thought in my mind, temptation, that there's something around me to, to be able to gossip or to be able to rebel against authority and not honor or be able to, 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 to just settle in and mediocrity or to pretend some. Every time a test comes in my life, I know this is a test. This is only a test. This is not the enemy trying to destroy me. This is God trying to develop me. This is God trying to build me up. This is God trying to mature me completely. Listen, and if you'll pass it, it'll produce perseverance in your life. In other words, you'll have stickability. That's not a real word, but it's a good preaching. You'll be able to stick around when when everybody else gets a punch in the gut from the enemy and and they just fall away and leave church and don't come back for 20 years. You say, devil, is that all you got? I'm showing up next Sunday. This is only a test. I can do this. I'm going to pass this test. And if you will, listen close. Then perseverance, if it'll finish its work. If it'll finish its work. you got to go back. One more. There it is. So that you may be, here's the, here's, the, here's the point of a test. It's not to harm you. It's not to hurt you. It's not to take you under. It's to mature you. It's to complete you. It's to make your spiritual life not lacking anything. How many of you want that in your life? Let me see your hands. That's what I want for you. I want you to have that kind of fulfillment in your life. Complete and mature, not lacking anything. God does not harm you. He helps you. He wants you to come out the other side whole and mature and put together and more focused and full of purpose. He wants you to grow in the classroom of your problems. Say amen to that. Is anybody awake in the cheap seat? Say amen. All the amen corners right here. This is the splash zone right in here. But I need somebody up top still awake. God has sent this to you to complete you. 
Every test in your life is not meant to take you under. It's meant to grow you. And if really if I can change your perspective over the last six weeks, that you look at your problems, you look at the situations in your life, you look at when things arise in your relationships, you look on your job, you look in your marriage and you think, why did this happen? Where did this get seemingly out of left field? Maybe it's a test. Maybe it's a test from God to test the small things. Or how, how are you going to respond? The motivation of your heart, the credibility that you have. Maybe it's a test. Let me give you the last two. Are you ready for this message? Say amen. The first one is the offense test. Do you know that we live in a hyper-offended culture? Everybody is offended about something. And if you're not offended, I'm offended about how unoffended you are. I can't believe you're not offended about the same thing I'm offended about. And we created a device by which you could tell everybody about what you're offended about just to make sure they're equally as offended as you are. And we go on Facebook and the first question it asks us is, what's on your mind? I'll tell you what's on my mind. What's on my mind is why everybody will be talking to me like this. What's on my mind is how I can't believe this is going on again. I can't believe in America we deal with this again. And what's going on is, in my, you know what's on my mind? And you take your proverbial earrings off and you just shake your head all over Facebook and get offended about everything. I don't know why I turn into a, a, a mad black woman when I preach. I'm going to try to do better. The team told me before service to try to do better. You just get offended in front of everybody. And you want them on your offended side. I want y'all to be offended about what I'm offended about. And we, and we, and we, and we have all of these opportunities. Now listen, I'm, uh, this is going to be hard punching. Are you ready? God has called you. God has called Christians to pass up the opportunity in your life to live offended. Let me say it to you a different way. People who are not Christians, they can get offended about everything and everybody and every way and every problem and every politician and every decision. They can get offended about everything you say, everything you don't say, why you didn't shake my hand, why you did shake my hand. You know I don't like to shake hands. Why did you not hug me? Why did you hug me? You know I'm agoraphobic. I don't even want to be here with people right now. Why did you? They can be offended about everything. But God has called Christians, listen, to pass up the opportunity that you'll have to be offended. Brandy and I, Brandy and I love to travel to New York City. We did it a lot before we had children. And in New York City, one of my favorite things to do is uh, eat. Actually, anywhere is my, one of my, let me rephrase that. Is one of my favorite things to do is eat. And in New York City, uh, our, my, my first time there, uh, we went to, or my first time in this kind of restaurant, we went to a, an Asian uh, food restaurant. And it had a, sushi bar that is on this conveyor thing that goes by you. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? And, it, and, it, and you sit at the bar and this, and this, and this sushi goes by you and, and you know how much it costs or what it, or what it is, you know, what's in, by the, the color of the plate that it's on. You know, a red plate costs this much and is this and, and a green plate costs this much and is this. And we just sat there and I don't, where are all the sushi people at? Where are you at? Raise your hands. We want to identify you as people that need to pray through today. I don't eat. I don't eat. I don't eat raw fish. It's, it's, 
You can't go to heaven and do that. And, but, but Brandy likes I'm kidding. I'm, but Brandy likes it. So we were there. And I was going to order something else. But it just passes by you. And I was mesmerized. Let me give you a better. Let me give you a better. This is more closer to my house. Anybody know? Anybody ever been to the Krispy Kreme place? Come on, somebody. I walk in the Krispy Kreme place, or as I like to call it, the most holy place. And there's a giant window. They even put a stool up for me. Maybe it's for your kids, but I think it's for me. And there's this giant window where these tiny baby angels are floating around this little conveyor belt. They go up and anybody know what I'm talking about? They go up and down this little, and I'm mesmerized by it. And I and, and I pick out which angel belongs to me. And I and, and I follow him all the way down. I wish I was kidding with you. I'm not. I follow him all the way down, and he gets in that hot grease. Thank you, Jesus. And he flips himself over, and I just follow him all the way down. Like this right here, just watching him. Thank you. I'm just praising God the whole way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And then and he gets all the way down, and this wonderful woman of God uh, lifts up a hot baby angel and puts it in my hand for free. And, they, and if I get back in line, it happened again. And my kids love it. We love it. We just watch them go. I've never got back in line. That'd be weird. Anyway. Listen to me. Look at my eyes. Opportunities to be offended are going to pass by you every minute of every day. They're just going to go by. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to post something. Somebody's going to not do something. Somebody, there's going to be an unmet expectation. There's going to be an unrealistic expectation you've placed on somebody else or they placed on you that they were never meant to fulfill in your life. There's going to be unspoken expectations that you didn't say out loud and they didn't know and now they've let you down and here you are offended. And it passes by you over and over and over. And the role of a Christian in the offense test is to not take the offense. It's to let it pass by. God has called us to pass by the opportunity to be offended. Write this down. The offense test proves your potential to not live offended. That's an important word. Write it just like that. And to easily forgive. The offense test comes into our life to prove our potential, your potential, my potential. To not live our lives offended and to easily forgive. Forgiveness and offense are first cousins. They, they coexist in the same ecosystem. If you have an offense problem, you have a forgiveness problem. Because I, I can't easily forgive you of that. I hold on to that. I, I've met people who have wasted decades of their lives in offense. Something that happened to me. One thing she said to me. It, it gets even worse in a church. Now you're thinking, man, that doesn't happen for Christians. Oh, you bet it happens for Christians. And it happens worse in Christianity. Because in Christianity, you get to put a bunch of spiritual words on it. You get to say things like, they hurt me. Oh, they hurt me. Oh, they disappointed me. Oh, they I put my trust in them and they let me down. God removed them from my life because I just couldn't. God took me out of that church. He took me out of the other 19 churches I've been to as well. God took God God removed me out of that office. It's it's only been my ninth job out of out of college, but God God just knew I couldn't I just couldn't be there. And 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 we and we crouch our offense in spiritual terms when really you're just living your life offended. And God has called us to pass the test. And it's okay to feel offended. Listen close. 
It's okay to show up to a sushi bar and watch them go by. It's okay to show up to Krispy Kreme, watch them go by. The problem is when you pick something up and take it with you and say, I'm going to live with this. I'm going to live with that. I can feel the offense pass by me. I'm helping somebody. I'm going to release some of you from a lifetime of offense. You can feel it go by you. Some of you have experienced it recently. You felt it raise up in you. Oh my gosh, why would they say that? Why are they talking about me? Why, what did they mean when they said that? Why did they? You, you, you ever, you, my favorite kind of offense is passive offense where you think they're talking about you and they're not really talking about you. You know what I'm talking about? And then you talk about them without talking about them. Anybody got any friends like that on Facebook? She says something and she thinks it's about her saying that. So she says something about her saying that. Neither one of them talk. They're both talking about their dumb husbands. But they believe they're talking about each other. And we, we have the opportunity to not live offended. Now listen close. Offense in a believer's life. I'm teaching you today. Offense in believer's life is terminal. It's terminal. It'll kill your joy. It'll kill the peace of God in your life. It will kill every deep relationship you've ever been in. If you allow offense to arrive at stage two, there's not four stages to offense, there's two. If you allow offense to get terminal, it'll kill every deep relationship. and You'll never have a lasting relationship. If you look back over your life and all of your friends are less than a year old, you could be living in a prison of offense. If you don't have anybody who's been with you 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years, because a relationship over 5 years requires easy forgiveness. Because you're going to have an opportunity to be offended. You're going to have a chance. If you don't have longevity, I'm helping you. If you don't have longevity in some areas of your life, I've been in this company a long time. I've been in this relationship a long time. I've been in this church a long time. I've been in this this position a long time. It may be that you're living offended and the longer that it goes out, it kills the depth of your relationships. It kills the depth and longevity of things in your life. And God wants to bring things in your life that last. Say amen to that, everybody. So let me give it to you. Stage one is feeling offended. Everybody can feel offended. It's unavoidable. Matter of fact, Jesus said it like this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Now, I don't know why it's worded like Yoda would say, but let me give it to you a better way. And that is, offenses are going to come in your life. It is impossible that you live through your day, your week, your work, your job, your relationship, your marriage, and not have a chance to be offended. Jesus told the disciples that. It's stage one. Everybody has unmet expectations, unspoken expectations, unrealistic expectations. An offense comes by you. It's impossible for it not to happen. Offense goes by you, but listen close. Everybody has stage one. Stage two is when it's terminal. It goes from bad to terrible if you choose to live offended. You can feel offended and not live offended. Many people, write this down, many people are looking for an offense rather than overlooking an offense. 
And God's called you and I to overlook when offense comes in our life. Not to go around snooping looking for it. Not to go look in relation. What did you mean by that? What did that mean? Why did you say it that way? Why, why, don't, you, why don't you in your marriage, in your relationships, on your job, in this church, on your team, inside of whatever relationship that you have, why don't you decide to believe the best instead of the worst? Why don't you decide to give the benefit of the doubt? Well, you don't know, Pat. You don't know where you don't know what it means like. You don't know how, you don't know where I come from. Listen, it's amazing to me the people that grow up in offended environments. You grow up the, the daughter of victims, the son of victims and you take on victim mentality for the rest of your life and you're offended by something that didn't even happen to you that's good preaching let me give you let me give you three reasons why I'm not going to live offended write these down if you're not writing them down I'm offended I'm not kidding kidding I'm kidding kidding three reasons why I can't live offended number one it's exhausting it's some of the energy that's zapped out of your life is because you give it to offense It is exhausting mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually. You get up every day and you nurse it and you rehearse it and you curse it every day and it drains every bit of energy that God has given you to do what He's called you to do. And you go to bed exhausted not because you gave to your purpose but because you gave to this offense. Because you lived in that prison and it zapped all the energy God meant for you to have. Are you awake? Say amen took everything out of you. Number two, it's not only exhausting, it's distracting. It's distracting in a believer's life because you'll lose your focus on, off of what matters most and you will get hyper-focused on the things that matter very little. You, 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 ever, you ever met somebody who focuses on the smallest, most minute problem? You ever, you ever met someone who everything could be right? You could walk in the house and it'd be sparkling clean. You better not raise your hand if you're married. And it can, you've worked all day long and your partner, your spouse, the only thing they see is that one thing that isn't done. You know somebody like that? It's distracting in your life to the purpose of God for your life that you'll focus 10 years on this offense instead of 10 years on God's big purpose for my life. You'll waste decades of your life chasing after help and hope and trying to get over the hurt of this offense instead of overlooking it, letting it go, easily forgiving, not because they deserve it, but because you have to move on in your life. You've got more to do. God's got bigger plans for you. I cannot be distracted by offense. Say amen to that. Third reason why I write this down. Third reason why I can't live offended is it's contagious. When it gets to stage two, I can get it. I can catch it from you. Offended people attract other offended people into their lives. If you look around your life and you say, what's wrong with all these people? Why do these people complain so much? My friends just they gripe and complain. Whoa, 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 whoa. Be careful because you may be looking into the mirror of your own life. Because you attract who you are. If you're offended and live offended, if you're a victim and live a victim, and you have a victim mentality, victim vocabulary, victim habits, then you'll attract other victims. And before you know it, you got a whole convalescent home full of people who are hurting about something that didn't even happen to them. I'm just offended because you're offended. Because offense is contagious in stage two. 
You can transfer. Oh, I'm helping you. It'll transfer one to another. It's amazing to me. Not only do offended people attract other offended people, but healthy people are repulsed by offended people. So, you look around your circle of friends, the people in your life, the people closest to you, and you think, why does nobody have a healthy marriage? Why does nobody have a healthy joy and peace and honor? Why, why is nobody smiling and encouraging? Why, why doesn't it happen? You know why? Because healthy people go, what's that smell? Ooh, I smell offense. I got it. Ooh, I can't be close to that. Ooh, I can't do that. Listen, it's nothing wrong with you, honey. I'm just telling you, I can't be around offended people because God's been too good to me for me to get. Because you know why? Listen, just like secondhand smoke will give you lung cancer, secondhand offense will destroy your life. You'll get infected by secondhand offense. I wasn't even offended by that until I got around you, and then you told me what they did to you, and now I don't even like them. They didn't even do it to me, but I got secondhand offense. Are you with me on that? I got secondhand offense, and now your life is inhibited by what happened to them. Because offense is contagious. Don't let it, I'm t- I got I to gotta get you delivered this last message of this series. Don't live in a prison of offense. Don't live always wondering, what are they doing? Why are they out to get me? God has called us to live above offense. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it this way. That there is those that love the law of the Lord, nothing shall offend them. That's what the Bible says. Nothing. In other words, you can't run me off from here. Justin, it don't matter. You can't run me off from this church. You hear me? I'm called to be here. God placed me here. You can't run me off. Your attitude, God can move me, but you can't. Your attitude can't change me. You can't destroy this relationship. You can't hurt how much I love you. You know why? Because I'm choosing to overlook offense. Whatever comes between you and I, I'm going to be easily to forgive. We're going to be in it for life. Not because you deserve it, but because i got plans. God's got a purpose for my life. i got things to do. I can't waste my time offended. Pass the test. Pass the. I got another one to preach, and he's already playing the slow funeral music. What are we gonna do? You gonna have to write fast. Number nine. It's the test of time. It's the test of time. The test of time comes into your life to prove your endurance, your patience, and your confidence, regardless of what season I'm in in my life. If you're married, have you, you, ever, you ever gone to a high school reunion with your spouse and seen all the people that he dated when he was in high school and kind of giggled to yourself like, <laughs> what if you'd have married her? You look at that. You know what I mean? I don't encourage any couples to ever do this. But if, if you happen to be on Facebook, any of you, any of you guys ever, ever looked up your wife's old boyfriends and say, hey, look at, look at this winner right here. Look here. Look what you could have had right here. Look what daddy did. Look at daddy. Look at it. You could have been married to that. Look at your, imagine your babies with him. That joker's ugly. <laughs> Time sometimes is tough. Sometimes you're battle worn. Sometimes it lasted longer than you thought it would. Sometimes it's been harder than you wished it was and the test of time isn't that I'm still standing it's that over time I decided to get better 
and not bitter. That over time, I decided that the problems that came into my life, the situations I've lived through, the trouble that I've had, the disappointment of my life, I've decided to let that make me better and not bitter. I've decided, I've decided I wasn't going to be a milk person. I was going to be wine. Because the longer that milk sits out, the more bitter and sour and spoiled it gets. But the longer that wine sits out, the better and more valuable and more desirable it becomes. And I'm not going to let milk, I'm not going to be the kind of person that when you set it out two or three days, it starts to spoil and stink and get bad. I'm going to be the kind of person that the longer you have it, the better it gets. (laughs) Y'all wait till you see me. You think I preach hard now. You wait till you see your boy at 60 years old. I'm going to be preaching my socks down at 60. I'm going to get better with time. I'm just going to get better and better and better. I'm going to be a better husband than I am today. Tomorrow, I'm going to be a better father next week than I am this week. I'm not going to let problems come into my life and make me bitter. I'm going to let them make me better. They're going to get better with time. Some of you, some of you don't, don't really respect the warning signs on food in your refrigerator. I'm the kind of guy that if it says best by June 23rd, on June 22nd, your boy's dumping it. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking they missed it by a day. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of it early. You know what I'm saying? And then there's other people in life, people who aren't as saved, who see an expir- <laughs> who see an expiration date as a, just a, a, a kind of just a suggestion, you know? If it says June 23rd, somewhere around July 4th, you're still sniffing that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, ah, that's good. It's not supposed to be chunky. It's not supposed to have it. You're not supposed to eat milk with a fork. You're not supposed to do that. You know who I'm talking to. Some of you are this way. Ah, it's good. It's okay. It's fine. It's not good. It's not not good. Stuff with short expiration dates, short shelf, like milk. It, It only has a short amount of time. It's good. If you're a milk kind of person, a bitter kind of person, that time, has a, you have a short attention span, you get a short attention span on four things like your interest. I wish I had time to preach this to you. God gave me a revelation studying for this message for you. It's, it's, the, it's the reason why in my home we don't talk about being bored. Because bored people have a short attention span of interest. And if you let your kids come to you all the time saying, I'm bored, Mom. It's so boring here. This is so boring. Here's what you're doing. You're teaching them that you are the source of their happiness. And they'll live the rest of their lives trying to get happiness from some other person. You're supposed to make me happy. You're supposed to make me happy or I'll throw a temper tantrum. You're supposed to make me happy. I'm bored with this. And if you don't make me happy, I'm leaving. And they live their whole lives uninterested. You know why? Because over time, they expire in interest that's good isn't it I wish I could preach it to you they have a short attention span of motivation I start early then I, then I can't finish I get motivated I, I'm going to the gym today then you know short attention span of confidence I feel good I don't know if I can do this they have a short attention span of determination they just don't have that thing listen An important key to your happiness. This is the last thing I'll tell you. I'll let you go. He's been playing the music for a while. An important key to your happiness. Listen. Happiness over time. God, I wish I could preach this to you. 
happiness over time. God's plan for you, listen, is not short-term, temporary, ecstatic moments. God's plan for your life is sustained joy over time. It's a lifetime of joy. It's you look over your life at 80, 90 years old, on your deathbed when all of your grandkids and great-grandkids are sitting around your bed, and you say, it's not been easy, but man, it's been good. God's plan for, for happiness over time is not that you get everything you want. It's wanting everything you get. I want the family I have. You you know where problems start creeping into your family? When you decide you want their family instead of yours. I want the marriage I've got. It's not perfect. It's almost 20 years in. But I want this one. So I'm going to work on this one because I want it. And it's not about getting what... If I look at your marriage, that's where things start, to, things start going sideways. Things start getting out of bounds. You start wondering. You start, your eyes go, no, no, no. It's not about getting everything you want. I promise you, Brandy didn't get everything she wanted in, in, in me. I promise you. She wanted somebody over six foot. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> but it's wanting everything you get. I want, I, I, I want my career. I, I want this. Are there hard days? You bet there are. Are there days I think, man, I could sell cars and make more money and, and be happier? <laughs> yeah, sure. But I want this. I want what God called me. I want my marriage. I want my kids. I don't want your kids. I want mine. Or, or, does that mean it's hard? Yeah, it's hard. But I want, I want my church. It's not about getting everything I want. It's wanting what I have. I love this place. It, how I look at this place determines what I get from it. And over the test of time, 20 years from now, I still want to be looking at you telling you how much I love this place. I, it's not getting what you want. It's wanting what you get. I love this challenge. I'm going to pass the test of time. Listen, this is the last thing. By identifying the blessings in my life and by allowing those blessings to not become common in my life. And I realize over time, man, we sing an old song in the old church, Henry. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You remember this? Every day that I live, I'm blessed when I wake up in the morning, when I lay my head to rest. I'm blessed. Just when I look over my life, it had been the easiest. Really, this whole series is about the test of time. It's that problems are going to come. It's that you're going to have hard days. The doctor is going to call. It's going to be a bad report. The lab results are going to come back. What, they, what you wish they weren't. You're going to struggle. Brandy and I struggled 10 years with infertility. Can't tell you why. I can't tell you why it happens to you. I don't know. I just know it's a test. I don't, I don't know why some marriages are rockier and struggle. And I don't know why. But it's a test. I don't know why you're in that job that you can't seem to get out of. I don't know why it's been 10 years since you got a raise. I don't know why you've had to pass this over and over and over. I just know this. It's a test. It's a test. And what I do now determines my potential for more. I want to pass. I want you to pass. So that you can be mature. Listen. So that you don't come out on the other side all ragtag and beat up and one leg missing and half an eye gone and just, I made it. I'm just, I'm just barely made it through, you know. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to live this faith walk victorious in Jesus' name. Happy, fulfilled, satisfied, 
full of peace in your life, knowing that you did what God called you to do. It's only a test. Bow your heads, let's pray. Father, I recognize in a room this big, there are people who are in multiple tests. I'm sure today there's somebody in the test of small things trying to figure out, why can't I get a promotion? Why can't, why can't I get out of this? Maybe they're here today. Their credibility has been in question. What, why would they not believe me? Maybe today it's, it, it, it's the test of the wilderness. Maybe they're in a dry season in their life. They can't feel the presence of God. Even in this moment, they want to. I just, you seem distant and far and I don't know what to do. With every head bowed and your eyes closed, Tightly, if you know that you know, I'm in the middle of a test right now. I'm, I'm, I'm in the, we're in the middle of a test in our marriage. We're in, the, we're in a test in our finances. We're in a test on my job. I don't know which way to go. I don't know how to say yes. I don't know what to do. I'm in the authority test right now. I'm having to work in an environment that's so toxic and dangerous. But, but i gotta, I got to honor in this environment so that God can promote me with more. If that's you, if you're in a test, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, include me in this prayer. I'm in a test. We're in a test. Our relationship's in a test. I'm in a test. What am I going to do? Are we going to make it? I see you. I see you. Hands up all over the house. I, I see you. Come on. God sees you. Keep your hand up. Nobody else. I see you. I'm in a test. We're in a test. It's only a test. Now, Jesus, I pray for every hand that was raised. That God, do you know the intricate details of their lives. God, I pray for those today who are walking through dark days, battles, trials, questions. What are we going to do if? How's it going to turn out? I feel healing in the room today. I'm, I'm, I didn't do this in first service, but I feel healing from your hurts. I feel healing from your offense. I don't care what they told you. I don't care how they talked about you. I don't care how they disappointed you, let you down. They said they were going to. They said they would never leave and they left. They said it would be forever and he walked away. She said she loved only you and she was cheating the whole time. I don't know how you got offended. I don't know what they said. They were supposed to be family and they took advantage of you. Your mother was supposed to care for you and she abandoned you. I don't know how you got offended in church. You trusted them with your spiritual formation and they let you down and disappointed disappointed you and unmet expectations wherever you are in the room I'm asking God for healing healing for hurts and wounds and past offense healing for those who've given what they feel like is their best only to get back minimal I've given my all and you hadn't returned it and I, I don't know how to move on I pray I pray for healing in the room I pray for those who've waited over time. Come on, I wish I could almost put my hand on your shoulders. I know who I'm talking to. You, you, you've had time and time. Your whole life you felt like, I don't know if this is right. How do I do this? I feel, I feel like a square peg in a round hole. What am I going to do? How are we going to work this out? And time has not been kind. you got a choice to make. Is it going to make me better? Or am I going to live my life bitter? Is it going to make me better? Am I going to get better with time or worse? Is my attitude, my spirit, is it going, am I going to have an excellent spirit or an offended, bitter, sour, spoiled spirit? Father, I pray for those in the test of time today. God, they'd have strength to get better. That they'd use those stumbling blocks put in front of them as stepping stones to move on, to grow up, 
to move past hurt and offense, to move into all that God has for their lives, all that God has for their marriages. Let me, let me preach to marriages for a moment. Father, I pray for relationships that seem stuck and broken and hurting. God, nothing hurts like relationships hurt. I pray those words that she said, those things that he said that hurt you, that offended you, that you've carried deep and a wound in your spirit. Come on, a, a wounded spirit is so hard to heal. I pray for relationships to be restored today, that when they walk out of here today, they would choose to overlook offense, not to look for it. God, I believe you today that it's only a test, and I'm going to come out on the other side of this mature, complete, not lacking anything. God, I believe that for this church, we're going to come out on the other side of this. God, every family here, every person here, every man, every woman in this room comes out of this test not lacking anything, whole, complete, mature. I pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody shout a big amen. Come on, do you thank God for His Word today?